It is Tuesday, August 10th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to night four of the Draft Sharks Invitational. I'm your host, Matt Shop. With me tonight is Adam Krautwurst. It's the first of these drafts, Adam, that Jared Smola has not kicked off with us. That's because he is drafting tonight. We also had Mike Shope with us on Thursday night in your place. He is drafting tonight as well, so he's not on with us right now. We're going to introduce you to the full lineup in a minute, but first... Let's run down the format for anybody who's unfamiliar real quick. It's a 25-round draft. It's best ball scoring. It's tight end premium. That means one and a half PPR for tight ends, regular PPR for everybody else. Start two running backs, three wideouts, one tight end. There are two flex spots. It is super flex, so one of those flex spots can be a quarterback every week. Basically, it means you hope to use two quarterbacks every week. And unlike most expert draft setups, We've got money on the line here. Lenny Papano is putting his own money up. $250 prize to each of the six league winners. $2,000 top prize to the overall winner. That's 72 competitors in all this year. We're up from five leagues from last year. Peter Overzet, of course, was last year's champ. We have had half of our league's draft so far. Adam, are you expecting to see anything different from tonight's drafters now that we have three behind us? I always expect everything different with these drafts. <laughs> I mean, there's so many different ways to build them. Um, there's really, there's really no, no wrong way, you know? So, uh, I'm excited. A lot of, you're going to get into it, but a lot of really, really good accomplished veteran high stakes players in this stuff. So, and Mitch Carlin already shaking it up, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to step on your toes here. I'll let you, uh, I'll let you take it from there. Right. You can't, you can't give anything away just yet. Um, <laughs> one of the things that we watched in last year's drafts too, I remember tracking was when Mike Beers would finally take his first running back of the draft. He's one of the competitors tonight, so we'll see if he does something similar this time. Um, but let's go ahead and meet those drafters so that we can start talking about the players that they're picking. This is the draft order for League Four of the DS Invitational. It starts off with Darren Armani. He is the creator of FantasyMojo.com. Basically spends all his time either drafting or tracking drafts across FFPC formats. That where, That's where we pull the tight end premium from. So I'm not sure, Adam, whether that gives Darren an edge here or whether it confounds him because you can't match this format with anything that he tracks on FFPC. You know, he probably tracks this. We just don't know about it. He's probably got ADP spreadsheets behind the scenes. I can almost promise you. <laughs> we do know about it. He actually, he put it up on Twitter the other day and he oh. had it, he had it faded out so he could show everybody that he was going to draft against that. He did have the info and he was giving it to nobody. Oh, I missed it. <laughs> Oh, Savage man. move by Darren. <laughs> number two in the draft order tonight. Darren, by the way, is at Fantasy Mojo on Twitter. Uh, number two is Mitch Carl. He is the founder of Team Riser Fall. He is a DFS aficionado, and he's someone that you have known for a while, right, Adam? Yeah, we've only known each other for like thirty years. So uh, <laughs> yeah, Mitch and I, Mitch and I go way back, and as you can tell, he's got he's got some Western New York roots. So uh, this will be fun. And he is DFSN Donuts on Twitter, so he puts it right out there what he's interested in, which I guess more of us could probably stand to do on there, so there's no secrets. Number three, Brian Holzen is a high-stakes player who finished second overall in the RTFFC tournament last year on RT Sports. He also placed fifth overall in their best ball championship. Brian has also tallied multiple league titles in FFPC Dynasty and best ball leagues as well as the Football Guys Championship. Brian pointed out to me, though, Adam, that he has never won his home league in its 12-year history. Oh, gosh. You know what? That's 
it, it's funny. Home leagues aren't as easy. You know, you play in all these high stakes leagues. Home leagues are tough because I don't have time to just to, to grind ninety seven trades like all these other guys do. You know, they the guys who win the home leagues are the ones who rob the best players from another from another team. So don't feel bad, Ryan. And not to mention though, lots of people who win in these high stakes leagues have you know, a number of entries in your home league, it's one. So That's luck right. is going to play into everything. That's true. It's, it, I always feel like kind of a jerk when I don't win a home league, but I mean, it, it's going <laughs> to happen more often than it doesn't. That's right. Brian is at draft addict on Twitter. Number four is Jared Smola, somebody that people might be a little bit familiar with. Of course, he is my co-host for most of the podcasts on here. He's been with draft sharks since he was in college so he knows nothing else he knows not the real world he finished 10th overall in last year's inaugural ds invitational so did fine in this format he is at smola ds of course on twitter number five Dwayne mcfarland is a content contributor at pro football focus he is half the team that makes up the ff hustle podcast he once delivered content for draftsharks.com way back before any of us was on board here and he's a player of course Dwayne also has three ffpc top five finishes behind him you can find Dwayne on Twitter at Dwayne McFarland, D-W-A-I-N. Number six is Dr. Abib Agbatoba. And really, I'm not sure what to start with for him, Adam, because it's tough to say what's more impressive. You just might know Dr. Abib as the back-to-back winner of the Football Guys Players Championship the past two years, a crazy feat in and of itself. The guy's also a skull-based surgeon. So that means that he does surgery to the bottom part of your brain and to like the nerves that are in that area. So, I mean... Good luck making this guy nervous in a draft room. Yeah, that's definitely not happening, especially, you know, with a guy like Abib who's a skull-based surgeon and does, you know, a hundred high-stakes drafts a year. So it's like, <laughs> right. he's, he's doing, he's in his sleep. He's going to know what he's doing. He's going to have his scalpel around. Abib also does the First and 15 podcast now. You can find him on Twitter as well as on the Draft Sharks Discord at Skywalker 2000 Number seven in this draft is Mike Shope. He's a longtime sports talk host on the radio daily at WGR 550 in Buffalo. I hope I didn't emphasize long time too much for him. He's also Adam's co-host for the Deep End podcast on the Draft Sharks pod waves. Adam, are you going to be calling out Mike's picks before he makes them tonight the way he was trying to do for you Thursday? Um, I'm going to try. I haven't seen enough of his drafts. He sees all mine. Um, But he, he texted me today. He said, you know, if he, if he can get the guy he wants in the first round, he feels comfortable for the next six or seven rounds. So we'll see if he got his guy in the first round. There you go. Mike is at Shope Talk on Twitter. It's S-C-H-O-P-P. Uh, number eight, Austin Martin won the, tw- won the 2019 FFPC Playoff Challenge. He took third and seventh overall in the 2014 NFFC Online Championship. He has multiple league titles in the FFPC Main Event and Football Guys Championship under his belt. You can find Austin at Austin R. Martin 84 on Twitter. Number nine is John Daigle. He delivers fantasy football and betting content for NBC Sports Edge. He is an FSWA and Emmy Award winner. Had the pleasure of meeting and drafting against John in the Flex Leagues Saturday in New York City. So it'll be interesting to see what John does tonight. You can find him on Twitter at NotJDaigle and across various media formats for NBC. Number 10, Mike Beers has officially stepped away from fantasy football analysis, I believe, although you still see him in the streets. He is an experienced best ball player who has developed drafting tools for Rotoviz specifically to address that area. You can find Mike on Twitter at Beerswater. Good luck finding him drafting a running back early, though. Number 11, Mike Leone, the director of analytics at Establish the Run. He's from our neck of the woods uh, up here in the Buffalo area. Adam calls himself 
a long-suffering Bills fan, but is Josh Allen about to make it so you guys can't say that anymore? We got him in a Super Bowl before. We're not long-suffering, so uh, maybe. We'll see. Oh, hopefully. I can understand that. As an Eagles fan, I can understand that. Mike is at Two Hats One Mike on Twitter. And finally, number 12 is Danny Kelly, who delivers football, draft, and fantasy content for The Ringer and Spotify. He hosts The Ringer Fantasy Football Show as well as The Ringer NFL Show. He is at Danny B. Kelly on Twitter. So now that we've met all the drafters for tonight, Adam, let's start getting to the picks. And it started off the way that every other draft has so far with Christian McCaffrey going to Darren Armani's team. But the second pick was where Mitch decided to shake things up. As you said, do you want to announce that one for anybody who didn't see it? That's right. Mitch Carl with the number two selection, the draft starts invitational, takes Josh Allen, baby. Love the pick. So it's funny. Mitch and I and Jared did a like a $35 Superflex FFPC draft maybe like a month or so ago. I think Jared and Mitch streamed it. And I went Josh Allen maybe one or two overall just because I'm, I'm never able to get him in the Superflex drafts. Um, so I took him one or two overall, and Mitch like lost. Like he didn't even know what to think. He didn't know what to do. But he's not a big Superflex guy. And now I love that he's just going to get his guy number two overall. <laughs> That's right. I mean, we know the quarterbacks are going to go early, so why not take a quarterback running back hybrid when you got that second pick and, and get a guy that you can root for all season? That's right. We I think we might have had the most run the most quarterbacks go in round one in any of these drafts so far tonight. We've got seven off the board through round one. Brian Holzen followed Mitch Carl's pick with Patrick Mahomes, was probably happy to see Mahomes there because he's been the first quarterback in the other drafts and pretty much any draft you do. Jared's drafting fourth, took Dalvin Cook, decided to buck the quarterback trend there and take his first running back. We'll probably be talking to Jared at some point later. We'll see if he pops in and joins us to talk about his thought process there. Following Jared's pick was three more quarterbacks, Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, Dak Prescott, to Dwayne McFarland, Abib Agbatoba, Mike Shope's teams. I know that Abib went quarterback relatively early in last year's draft as well, so I'm not surprised to see him start with a QB here. Yeah, no, I like that. Again, it's it's. I think a lot of these, you know, high-stakes players that don't get a chance to really take quarterbacks in these FFPC main events or FFPC football guys, uh, they kind of take the opportunity to take them here. And, yeah, to see uh, – it's funny to, to pick six then have to settle for the fourth quarterback off the board is kind of kind of stinks. But uh, but I think he got the last one in that tier. Unless, you know, the, the, the Dak injury kind of scares me a little bit. But if Dak wasn't hurt, I would have him in that tier also. So you're not scared about Lamar Jackson getting COVID every time he leaves the team facility? <laughs> Who knows? Like, I don't even know what is it is. If are they vaccinated? Are they not vaccinated? Does he have to wait 10 days? It's like – Oh, it's, Lamar – Lamar Jackson's learning. He's going to learn more about the vaccine and decide right. whether he should go for it now. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we had Lamar Jackson go. Then Dak Prescott to Mike Schoep's team after that. Do you, do you think that Mike was disappointed that a different quarterback didn't get there? you think Dak Prescott was part of the group that he was hoping to have available for that pick? I don't. I think he's probably disappointed only because – you know, this is the early, so five quarterbacks went by the seventh pick. So that hadn't happened yet. So I was, I think he was probably, I know he loves Lamar Jackson. So I think maybe he was hoping for, for Lamar, but maybe he just wanted one of the quarterbacks in his top tier and maybe, maybe he got him. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, I can't imagine that that was the guy he was hoping for, but who knows? Yeah. To me, Dak Prescott is part of that tier. The, the shoulder certainly 
adds a question mark to it. I think we're waiting to see just how serious the shoulder injury is and whether it's something he would just be playing through if it were the regular season. So, you know, I think before that, Dak would be well within the mix, and I would consider him safer with no less upside than Lamar Jackson. But at the moment, I think probably right at the end of that group is where I would have him as well. And then a few non-quarterbacks before we finish the round with a couple more was Travis Kelsey going to Austin Martin, who, of course, is a veteran of FFPC drafting. So he's used to seeing Travis Kelsey go in round one. Tyreek Hill followed the Travis Kelsey pick, went to John Daigle's team. Then it was Mike Beers taking Devontae Adams. Nothing surprising in that trio. I don't think it should be surprising that after five quarterbacks left, we had a few non-QB picks, even in this format. What do you think? Yeah, and that's another reason why I love this format is because the first round we get two running backs. What format is that feasible or viable? And, and it t- totally is. So um, a lot of these guys going around their ADP there, wide receiver one hill, wide receiver two Adams. And, yeah, as you kind of roll through the end of the first round and second round, we'll get into more of that. This might be the first draft that we got two wide receivers into round one in this draft, actually. I don't remember – League one was light on quarterback, so maybe they got a couple of um, wide receivers in there, but I know that they were running back heavy and a little quarterback light, and, and wide receivers have drifted a little bit, but not a lot more of them overall through the first two rounds, and we'll catch back up with those picks. After the Mike Beers pick was Russell Wilson to Mike Leone's team. Then Danny Kelly doubled up on QB at the turn. Justin Herbert and Jalen Hurts, that's QB7, QB8 off the board. Jalen Hurts has dipped a little bit in overall ADP lately with kind of all the Deshaun Watson rumors. Obviously, Danny Kelly's not too worried. I'm sure it doesn't hurt that it's his second quarterback, even in a format where you want to have two play. Adam, are you more wary on Jalen Hurts right now than you were before the most recent spate of Deshaun Watson talk? Yeah, so back to your real quick about the receivers. So my draft, two receivers went in the first, but it went – at pick seven and then pick 12. So they barely, barely got two receivers in that one. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm definitely concerned about Hertz trade talks, but there's also, you know, rumors that maybe they trade for Deshaun Watson and Hertz does, that doesn't leave. So maybe he does get to stay there for, for this year, but I would, I don't know. I feel like it was kind of a reach here to go Herbert Hertz. It's kind of like, I feel like maybe Danny had in his mind pre-draft. I'm taking just the best two quarterbacks available at, the, at that point, just, and just not worrying about it again, which there is something to, to be said for that. But I would have gone maybe Rodgers over Hurts just because, you know, if you lose your second-round pick to a trade or something, I mean, he's not going to lose them. If he gets traded, it would be the Texans. And and really, Hurts would be someone that you're not really relying on passing anyways. It's more like you want him to rush for a 1,000 yards. So he can do that on any, on, on any team. But I just, you know, he was so inaccurate last year that a guy, you know, if there's not any question marks, I'm kind of not on him. So I would have, if I was going to go quarterback, quarterback, I would have taken Rodgers there, but I probably wouldn't have gone quarterback, quarterback, knowing that I was getting, you know, the seventh and eighth quarterbacks off, off the board. Yeah, having seen these drafts play out the way they have, I don't think I would double up on quarterback there either. I know that the the motivation is you, you just kind of, it's kind of like starting with an anchor running back in a typical format. You are just kind of comfy that you've got a nice base at that position. You don't have to worry about it if they start flying off the board and you can fill in everything else because it's a best ball format. You don't necessarily have to find guys who can start for you regularly, but I agree. I don't think I would double up in that spot. I think I'd rather take the one to begin with and then maybe see what's there at the three, four turn. But you know, it's one of those strategies. It's one of the many strategies that we see play out in this format that we 
made this way because we want to see different people attack it different ways and see what works and what doesn't and maybe what seems like it will work not work so it will certainly be interesting to see how all of this plays out i do think that starting out with one qb makes it easier to take a shot on hertz because clearly drafting him to start round two means that danny does not believe that deshaun watson is going to be the starting quarterback for the eagles whether that means that he doesn't buy the trade rumors or whether it means that he just doesn't buy that the nfl is going to let deshaun watson play this year that's a clear indication to me. And I think that especially as the second quarterback on your team, it's a little bit easier to take on a risk like Hertz, who, as you said, we don't really know what to expect from him play-wise. But if he does stay on the field and if he's not terrible, I mean, he's got top four upside at least. He was a top three fantasy quarterback over the four weeks that he was starting last year. Yeah, no, I get it. It's, it's, yeah, it's worth the risk as your second one. But yeah, you got you got to pass on a lot of really good players there too. Mike Leone around the turn took Darren Waller as his second round pick, so he's got a Russell Wilson Darren Waller start. Probably happy to see Darren Waller get into the second round in a tight end premium format, even with you know the super flex uh, pu- pushing the quarterbacks up. Mike Beers took a quarterback, took Aaron Rodgers in the second round, so he's got a stack going already. Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. I bet you like that to start, right? Yeah, especially in a non-FFPC when you don't have to worry about like playoff weeks or anything. So, yeah, for for sure. I mean, week I think it's what they got the week thirteen by or something. That's going to be a little rough, but whatever. Um, but that's yeah, that's a pretty it's a pretty sweet stack. I don't think we've seen that yet in this in this tournament. Yeah, that particular stack, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know that we've seen that either. It'd be it would be interesting to look back, but I mean, I'm not sure. Devonte Adams hasn't gone in the first round every time. I don't know. It's something I would have to look back to check on just to make sure. But yeah, I doubt that it has happened before now. Um, John Daigle took a second wide receiver uh, for his team, started with Tyreek Hill, took Stephon Diggs next. Then we had Ezekiel Elliott, or should we, let's go back to John's team who has already made his third round pick. And he took Trey Lance as the QB 13 off the board as his first quarterback. Adam, what are you taking away from the reports out of San Francisco that have Trey Lance impressing in camp and have lots of people thinking that he's going to take over the starting reins very soon. Are you treating him like a starter right now? Or are you still kind of staying back and and realizing that there's some risk that he's not on the field week one? Yeah, I, I can't. I don't think I've taken Lance as my as my number one QB yet. If I did, I I came right back and grabbed another one that was already guaranteed a spot. Like if I took Lance, I probably took like a Matt Stafford, Ryan Tannehill with him, just in case. Um, I view him as the starter in a sense where I think he's going to play way more than the majority of, of the games. Right? I think he's going to start week one. I think it's a coin flip. Um, but I think most people, like people aren't even drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. Like, outside of these super flex leagues, people aren't even drafting Jimmy Garoppolo. So like most people are seeing that Lance as the starter for most of the year. Um, and I, yeah, I, I don't mind Lance as your number one as long as you come back fairly soon and get uh, – and get another quarterback or maybe take Garoppolo later on just to kind of hedge that and make sure you have a starting quarterback there. But, but yeah, I like, I like, I like Lance. I think he's fine as QB 13. I think there might be a little bit too much certainty that Trey Lance is going to start very quickly for the 49ers. Cause I did hear John Lynch too, say that Jimmy Garoppolo is playing the best he has uh, since he's been a 49er. And I mean, this is a team that's not, you know, built looking toward the future like the Jets or the Jaguars. This is a team that was just a couple years ago in the Super Bowl. It still has a lot of pieces on defense. It still has 
some of the offensive pieces from that game, including Jimmy Garoppolo. So I don't know. I We'll see between Justin Fields and Trey Lance who actually gets on the field sooner and who is in the more favorable situation. It, it's, it's tough for me to look at the two of them and say that I believe Trey Lance will get on the field sooner, but I guess you have to factor in the team took him third overall. He's been generating positive buzz and Justin Fields stayed on the board until the 11th spot. Yeah. And you know, again, Lance is in, to me, he's in a, he's, he's in a tier, right? So like, like I would take fields over him. I would take Burrow uh, probably over him, even though, you know, there's some issues going on with him there mentally. Um, I would certainly take Stafford and Tannehill over him. So he's in a tier there, but uh, you know, you got to kind of shoot your shot in these, in these drafts and, and Daigle, you know, Daigle's got a lot of behind the scenes information too. Like he's, he's obviously not just, uh, closing his eyes and throwing a dart there, so he he kind of liked the, the Jalen Hurts thing. Like Diggle's mm-hmm. confident that Lance is going to start very soon, um, and that's why he's making and making that pick. But I I would have taken a couple other quarterbacks over him, but I think he's in he's in that tier. I might have at least come back and taken another quarterback with the next pick, but we'll sure. get to what John did after that. We'll move over to Austin's team now, and through four picks, he doesn't have a quarterback. He is one of two teams that has not picked a quarterback yet, and the other hasn't had its fourth round pick yet. So Austin started with Travis Kelsey, took Ezekiel Elliott in round two, followed with Antonio Gibson in round three. That's RB10 off the board. So a little bit later than you might expect for the 10th running back to leave in the draft. And then Nick Chubb in round four, RB14. So my guess in looking at those specific picks is that Austin just at each of those turns found somebody that he thought probably didn't belong on the board anymore and felt like he was getting the best player available. Yeah, I mean, I love just looking at Austin's team. I love it. Like without assessing anything going on around it, it's like, man, you get three workhorse running backs. Um, guys are gonna get most of the carries on, on their team. Guys that can smash week in and week out. Um, yeah, I love that. And then plus he's got the goat at tight end up there. It's Travis Kelsey. So um, it'd be interesting to see what he does the rest of the draft, right? Hopefully he doesn't touch running back for a long, long time because um, he doesn't need to. And you have to start with the three receivers. So it'll be interesting to see if he decides to come back here and grab five or six receivers in, in, in a row. And uh, I don't think he probably didn't expect Chubb to be there. Where did Chubb go before? I'm trying to we're trying to look. Yeah, Chubb went a little earlier in my – yeah, Chubb went mid-third as RB11 mm-hmm. in, the, in my draft, the most, the most recent one. So, yeah, he fell probably further than he expected, and he probably just couldn't pass him up. Yeah, and that's more like his ADP uh, across, you know, more standard draft style. So sure. I, I agree there's some value to him here. I, I would expect that Austin's not addressing running back for a while after this. Going to have to mix quarterback in there somewhere, but we'll have to watch and see what he does. And our boy Jared is also not scared about not having a quarterback to this point. So we'll get to his team in a minute. Uh, Mike Shope is picking after Austin Martin as we come back around the one-two turn. Took Alvin Kamara as the fourth running back off the board. In round two, that's pick six of round two. Followed that with DK Metcalf in round three. And then Justin Fields is his second quarterback. So he's got similar upside to Trey Lance in Justin Fields. Got him later. I, I'm not a ton later, but it's, you know, another nine picks later in the draft. QB 15. So Joe Burrow went in between those guys. And we'll get back to, to where he went. But Adam, what do you think of Mike's start through four picks? Yeah, I, I like it. I like feel. I love fields um especially in this you know in the, in this best ball type thing where you don't have to you know you can just draft him and leave him and then when he starts you're good as long as you draft enough and enough quarterbacks here 
but Fields has, you know, top five upside, right? That rushing, the throwing. Um, so I love that to go along with Dak Prescott, who went healthy. I, I, you know, when healthy, I have Prescott in the top two fantasy quarterbacks with all that, with the, with the great offensive line, with the great weapons, um, you know, the great running back. I mean, they could just score when at, at will. So if Prescott's healthy and you get Fields with top five upside, top five, top six, weekly upside, um, I love that start for him. Metcalf's a monster. Kamara is going to be a volume hog. Um, so yeah, I, I can't, I can't complain about, about what Mike's doing right now. And I talked about my, you know, question on Trey Lance. Obviously it's a similar question between these two guys. Um, history tells us that we should expect to see a rookie quarterback who was taking in the first, taken in the first half around one. We should expect to see him sometime within the first half of the season and most likely around the first quarter mark. If he, if, if he doesn't start the first game now, there's probably a better chance that Trey Lance starts right away if he proves ready for it, given how high they drafted him and that they moved up to that spot to get him. The I guess the reason that I feel better about Justin Fields starting early is that despite what Matt Nagy says, that team is just not one that I expect to come out and be successful, especially with a couple of tough matchups in the first few weeks. They have the Rams and Browns on the road within the first three games. I think week four has been my over-under for when we see just, Justin Fields. Yeah, that might be that might be high. I mean, they're they're gonna be playing for for, for their job. Like you said, those coaches that have they got to do well, and they drafted this guy in the first round, and he's you know just gonna be so much better. Uh, he has to be so much better than than Dalton. That yeah, he's gonna they're gonna get him in there as quick as possible. And uh, I'm, I'm 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 excited. I'm excited to watch him play. I know uh, a lot of people, um, including J, Jay Moyer. Uh, over at FF Astronauts had him as their number one quarterback prospect, you know, so I'm interested to see him. He's, he's got some weapons there. And I'm, I'm excited to watch him out and get out there. And you can hear the excitement of the prisoners over at Adam's house banging on the walls um, <laughs> just to get Justin Fields out there. Way too many prisoners here. <laughs> <laughs> we had, uh, I don't know, a half rookie quarterback run. We had Trey Lance, Justin Fields go in the same area. Trevor Lawrence went right after Justin Fields. He went to Champa B. Bogbatoba's team, started again with Lamar Jackson. Then he got Austin Eckler as the fifth running back off the board in round two. So we had a patch of running backs in the middle of round two, just like in the previous draft. It seems like something that we should expect going forward, especially if a league goes QB heavier the way the past two did before this one. Um, so Austin Eckler, RB5 in the second round to Abib. Justin Jefferson in round th in round three as a wide receiver six. Trevor Lawrence as QB sixteen followed Justin Fields off the board in round four. What do you think about Doctor Abib's start here, Adam? Well, I love to see that he's got Eckler um, as his you know RB five there because I you know I, I know I love Eckler. I know everyone at Draft Sharks is super high on Eckler this year, so it's nice to see the back to back champ is high on him also. So that's that's really cool. Swift, you know, in the fifth round. I mean RB sixteen. Is about maybe a little bit later than where he's been going, maybe RB fourteen, somewhere in there, uh, or RB fifteen. Sorry. So he he got him at normal value, and he's got two quarterbacks, two running backs, a receiver, and and yeah, I, I Lawrence, I'm kind of hit, hit and miss with. I, I don't know what to expect with him. Again, I probably like him over over Cousins, and I probably like him over over Mayfield for, for sure. Um, Lawrence, what I don't know is how much rushing upside is he going is he going to bring? I mean, I know he can he can run. He's very athletic, but how much is he going to run? How much do they want him to run? Um, the sky's almost the limit for him fantasy wise if he can get to that kind of four or five hundred yard rushing mark, which which would be pretty awesome. 
For me, it's Trevor Lawrence over Trey Lance because we know he's going to be starting week one. Although I guess there's there's been some on Gardner Minshew coming out. Um, but Trevor Lawrence can certainly run plenty. He called his own number near the goal line a lot, especially last year at Clemson. So I also think that that team has a better chance of passing 60% of the time than the 49ers do. So I, I just think overall there's as much upside to Trevor Lawrence as there is to Trey Lance and definitely a greater certainty that he's starting from early in the season. But, you know, I can – it's it's also not the kind of question where I think that you're absolutely wrong if you think Trey Lance is a higher ceiling guy because he clearly showed that he has that kind of ceiling with the way that he ran the ball at Boise State. Uh, not Boise State. What the heck am I talking about? North Dakota State. <laughs> Same know, area of the country. That's all. It's all Idaho. Yeah, what's, what's the difference? <laughs> so – Dwayne McFarland's drafting next to Dr. Abib. He started out with a quarterback as well. Kyler Murray at five. Aaron Jones at RB6 in round two. I would imagine he was happy to see Aaron Jones last that long. Joe Mixon in round three as the RB9. So solid couple of running backs to follow his top five quarterback there, Adam. And then a couple of tight ends in consecutive picks for Dwayne McFarland. Yeah, to get tight end four and tight end five here in rounds four and five. I'm trying to look back and see. Yeah, Hawkinson. Hawkinson went in the fifth round of mine, and Pitts went in the fourth round of mine. So, uh, yeah, it's about about a lot the same. Um, and I know Dwayne likes. So I listen to the, their podcast. Him and Brian Drake over there, uh, the FF Hustle. Um, love love that podcast. Listen to that every single week. And I know he he likes Pitts, but he's kind of like me, where he doesn't know if the volume is going to be there. Or he doesn't know. You know, he's, he's a rookie tight end. He's have to shatter. You know every record, every rookie record in the in the world to kind of pay off at that price. But maybe this is um Dwayne's him getting shares of him here. Um and you know as as your number two tight end. I mean I you know how I feel about Hawkinson. I I think Hawkinson's a top three tight end this year. But um so yeah I like I like like that start to a quarterback and kind of an, an anchor quarterback there. Two two workhorse backs, two stud tight ends. will probably um, not draft a tight end for for a while now. Um, but yeah, I like that start. It's got, got conviction. He's got kind of a little bit of everything and Hey, maybe he'll come back here and go a bunch of receivers in, in a row. So you think TJ Hawkinson outscores George Kittle this year? Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think he could. I think he's got, um, I mean, he's the, the target upside is, is astronomical. I mean, their, their team is terrible. Um, they're favored to win. Not, they're not favored probably to win any, any games this year. Uh, they're going to be down all the time. They're going to have to throw the receiving core is, you know, maybe one of the worst that's ever been assembled. Um, and uh, so I think the target shares through the roof. He's a top 10 pick. He's been ascending ever since. I think he was tight end three or four last year. I think um, it was five. Or five, five, sure. He was a top five tight end last year. And I think with Kittle, you've got a rookie quarterback for, for most of the year. You've got a bunch of good receivers there. You know, and again, I – I have this this thing about you know he's always he always wants to Kittle thinks he's a left tackle and he always wants to smash everybody and embarrass everybody and I just think that leads to more injuries, you know. And Kelsey had his tight end university and Hawkinson won the MVP of that. Not that that means anything. Not that you can put that in any type of <laughs> uh, rankings on DraftSharks.com. But I just feel like the next leap here is for Hawkinson to finish third. And there's just too many question marks around the San Francisco offense when it comes to. Kittle getting the targets that I think Hawkinson is, is, is going to get. Yeah, he, George Kittle, Noah Fant all went to the same school. It was TJ Hawkinson, the highest drafted among them. He and Fant, of course, round yeah. one picks. George Kittle, a round four pick. That's, I always like to remind myself of that every time 
that we look at anything George Kittle's doing in the NFL. Like I was a fourth round pick out of a school that's known for tight ends. I, I wish that I had been more aware of him coming into the league just so I could. I, I'm sure that I didn't watch tape on him, honestly, heading right. into that season. Because if the NFL had him as a fourth round tight end, I certainly wasn't like, ooh, this kid, George Kittle, got something. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And Kittle, I remember when Hawkinson came out in the draft, Kittle was on like wake up football or good morning for whatever. And he was just raving about Hawkinson. So not obviously he went to his, the same school as him, but you know, I just feel Hawkinson's ready to take that, that next leap. And I want to be on And The problem is you're not really getting him at a, at a discount. You know, you got to take him at tight end four or tight end five. Uh, I don't have much Kyle Pitts at all because every time I want a tight end, I just take hot Hawkinson's in, in that range. Cause I think that again, I mean um, you guys are kind of the, the numbers guys, but I feel like his targets could be, you know, 130 targets. I mean, it's that in Jared Goff's a check down monster. Like, I just think this, it's just set up perfectly for him to just smash. I agree. I mean, we always look at what happened last year and then we look toward the next season. And we say, who is going to be this guy that blew up fantasy football next season? And I think that the comp for TJ Hawkinson is he could be what Darren Waller has been for the Raiders the past two years because they don't have the, the Lions don't have anybody as good right now as Nelson Aguilar was last year. That's where they are at with wide receivers. Tyrell Williams could be last year's Nelson Aguilar, but even that is a low wide receiver three uh, at best. So I agree that we could see TJ Hawkinson fight for even the target lead among tight ends. I think that he has top three upside as well. You know, if I, if somebody wanted to bet me on George Kittle versus TJ Hawkinson number wise, I can't say that I would put my money down on the Hawkinson side if it's even money, but I absolutely think he could beat Kittle, and I'm not sure I would put my money down on the Kittle side if it were, uh, you know, an even money bet. Yeah, it's funny. Tyler Syracuse, the the the, the draft sharks <laughs> DFS guy, messaged me, and he actually does want to put that bet down. So I, <laughs> I, I forgot to message him back. I got I got to make sure I got to do that. He was talking trash to us about that after we did, I think the what the NFC North pod. He was saying that we were way too high on Hawkinson, and he was all all about betting against him. I mean, before Kyle Pitts was drafted this year, TJ Hawkinson was the highest ever for drafted tight end in the NFL yeah. draft. So there's something here and there's certainly opportunity in front of him, but yeah. we don't want to make this all about TJ Hawkinson tonight because we've talked about him plenty. I'm sure we'll talk about him more. So let's move on to Jared Smola's team. And through four rounds, Jared did not have a quarterback. He was, so he was the second to last team to take a quarterback because we still have one that doesn't have one. Jared started with Dalvin Cook, took Derrick Henry in round two, I would imagine that Jared was kind of disappointed to see Derrick Henry be the one that got to him, but then talked himself into being excited about taking Derrick Henry at that point. Cause obviously the drawback is it's not PPR here. So Derrick Henry loses some upside and there's questions about the offense with the coordinator moved on. I think that's a bigger question so far for Jared than it is for me. Um, Derrick Henry is certainly a value at RB seven and late in round two. So we'll see where that goes. And then he followed that with Saquon Barkley around the two, three turn. So he's got RB two, seven and eight. And if these guys all pan out and stay healthy, I, they're all first round type running backs. Yeah. I mean, Barkley went at in the middle of the second round uh, in my draft and now he's fallen and, and we got some, some positive news that, you know, he's, he's in camp now and he's, in, he's working out and it's like, 
he dropped almost a full full round. I mean, you, that's the, that's insane. The Cook Henry, I don't care what format you're in. Cook Henry Barkley is a pretty insane start. You know, um, I wish he would have come back in, in the fifth round and taken another. I mean, it's easy to say when you're not, you know, you don't have your hand on the on the, on the hot button there. But I would wish he would have come back in the fifth, taken another receiver like Cooper Cup or even Amari Cooper or something. But you know, he needed, he wanted to get his, his his first quarterback here in the super flex, which was which is fine. But yeah, Cook Henry Barkley start. I'm not. I'm. I've pretty much faded Henry this year because of where he's going in the first round. I just feel like I realize he's superhuman. I mean, the guy's an absolute monster. He's he's huge, but eventually all those t- – because he's not like he's getting like swing passes and ducking out of bounds, right? Every carry is up the middle. He's getting smashed. Like eventually he's got to wear down. He's got to miss four or five games one year. I'm betting that it's this year. And I'm okay if I'm wrong because if I'm wrong, I'm just going to take another running back there that I probably, hopefully, write about or a receiver or a tight end. Uh, so it's okay to be wrong on Derrick Henry because I don't necessarily think he's a league winner without being able to get those catches. So I've kind of been fading Henry, but you're right. He probably talked himself into him there and, and be able to – now, if he would have known Barkley was going to last in the third, I'm not so sure he would have taken Henry there, but uh, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll get back to Jared's team in a minute, but we have – a doctor in the house making house calls on his draft night. Dr. Abib Agbatova, two-time champ of the Football Guys Players Championship, joining us now. And, Doc, we were looking at your team before. Obviously, we all like Lamar Jackson. We all like Austin Eckler. And then Justin Jefferson, I believe you said, was somebody that you came around on a little slower. Am I remember that correctly from when we were talking before? Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, how are you guys doing tonight? All right, man. How are you doing drafting? <laughs> We're doing oh, great. Man. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. But yeah, uh, Justin Jefferson, uh, he's definitely someone uh, that it took me a while. I don't know. I don't know what the, uh, you know, I wasn't sure if it was, you know, uh, if he was a one year wonder, but, uh, you know, I feel like uh, it, that this is something that is for real. You know, uh, I don't think that last year, his rookie year was his best year yet. You know, so, so we'll see. Uh, it was a tough choice between him and DK. Uh, and if I would have known that I would have been stuck with choosing between Adam Thielen and, you know, that next tier of wide receivers, I probably would have gone DK. But I need to increase my shares, so I went for the gusto. Justin mm-hmm. Jefferson. <laughs> it, it, it always makes me feel good when a guy gets hurt and then a doctor takes him immediately <laughs> after that. I'm like, good. We're good. We're good to go. The doc says he's fine. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Having Adam Thielen, I guess, helps out. But, I mean, you know, it's the best ball, so we'll see. We'll see. Were you happy to see Trevor Lawrence get to you at that QB 16 spot in round four, or would you have rather had Justin Fields make it there or Joe Burrow? No, no, I was definitely, you know, preferred the uh, Trevor Lawrence there. I, I, you know, I honestly feel like they have, you know, similar upside given the offense that he's in. I'm not a huge Nagy fan uh, as far as how he runs his offense and his, uh, his play calling. Uh, you know, it worries me a bit, to be quite honest. I don't feel safe really taking anyone in that offense. I'll do it, but, you know, it's not, you know, I don't get the uh, warm and fuzzy feelings. Uh, mm. But Trevor Lawrence, I love all the offensive weapons that he has, and he can run too as well. Uh, hopefully Tebow's not stealing any goal line carries, but Ooh. I think he, you know, I think the upside is, is, is there for him. And I tried to approach this draft a little bit different than like last year. Last year I think I took two quarterbacks with my first two picks, and I felt like I kind of pigeonholed myself. So I think, you know, when you're in a draft with Sharks, I, I wanted that freedom and flexibility. So I was – I kind of went in with the mindset, you know, as long as I can get guys, you know, in those top tiers, I want to get a good solid quarterback. I want to get a good solid running back and I want to get a good solid wide receiver. And that way I had flexibility throughout the draft. And 
And, and I think that's coming to fruition. I was hoping Ayuk was going to fall, and that was like my first major snipe of the night. But I'll take Allen Dillon as a you know, nice consolation prize. There you now, go. Are you, are you that high on um, – because I know Matt and I were talking earlier. We, we both love Eckler. Are you that high on Eckler, or um, is this just a matter of you wanting to get more shares of him? I am high on him. Uh, I was honestly hoping that Barkley was going to fall back to me. Uh, I've done a number of drafts where he's, you know, in – Single QB leagues, he's fallen to, you know, the back end or the first, front end of the second, you know, almost to 205. And so I was hoping, uh, you know, you know, rolling the dice that he would fall back. He didn't. Uh, but, again, I kind of went in with the mindset that ideally I get, you know, a, you know, a number one wide receiver, quarterback, and running back. So it's kind of one of those things where I could have taken him uh, or even another running back in that third round. But. I figured, you know, if I got to pick between Austin Eckler and Saquon Barkley, as much as I love Saquon, let me go with Austin Eckler with the hope that maybe Saquon would fall back to me. And he didn't, but it was, it's okay. Through seven picks now, you've got three running backs. And behind Eckler, you have DeAndre Swift and Miles Sanders. Swift and Sanders, are those guys that you like this year? Or was it just a matter of, of taking, you know, best player at that spot? Yeah, Swift I love. Uh, I have blinders on when it comes to any bad news. Ruin, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, you know, RBBC, I don't care. Like, I, I could care less. I love the offensive line. Uh, believe it or not, I like the coordinator that he's with. Uh, they themselves have talked about using him in a Kamara-type role. I don't care that he's – I don't want him running in between the tackles. I literally do not want him running in between the tackles. I want him catching passes. And I look at, you know, the fact that they're likely going to be in a lot of negative game scripts uh, and that he has a non-mobile quarterback. And so with – the passing options that they have, you know, from a wide receiver standpoint, I'm seeing a lot of checkdowns. So I kind of see almost Austin Eckler light where maybe the offense doesn't run as well from a standpoint of putting up uh, touchdowns, but he could approach the same amount of receptions. Uh, and again, he's, he's a stud. I mean, I think we forget about that. So, uh, but I, I love him. I'm, and I'm a big fan of Jamal Williams as well. And, of course, his OC was the head coach for Austin Eckler's team before landing exactly. in Detroit. But you, you don't think that he needs a groin to be able to play running back in the NFL? <laughs> I like that he had his groin injury, <laughs> you know, almost two months before the regular season. Plenty right. of time. Let him take yeah. it, you know. It's good that he's out on the field, you know, kind of uh -huh. doing drills and not, you know, you know in, the, in the trainer's room or somewhere where he's not visible. So I'll, I'll, I'll take that for right now. Yeah, in all seriousness, I, I think that it's a good sign that he is practicing. I did the shark bite for that bit of news earlier today, and I think the fact that DeAndre Swift is on the field and they just take him out of team drills, that says yeah. it's not really that big a deal. Because if they were at yeah. all worried about it, they would just sit him off to the side like they did with Tyrell Williams when he dislocated a pinky. Um, yeah. You know, it's the time of year where they're overly cautious. So the fact that Swift is practicing at all, I think, means you shouldn't worry too much. And, yeah, as far as Miles Sanders goes, uh, I'm not high on him, but I will take him at a discount. Uh, mm -hmm. And I think in best ball where, you know, I don't have to worry about when to start him, uh, given where I got him. You know, I got three solid RBs. Now I can really just start hammering wide receivers. And mm -hmm. I love a lot of the mid and later round wide receivers. I'm very comfortable with some of those wide receivers in that range. So I never feel like even in, you know, in this format where you have to start three wide receivers, uh, I don't feel pressed to you know, try and get those three wide receivers earlier just because there are a lot of guys that I like late. And, again, in the best ball format, I can, you know, really go to town now that I have 
my QBs taken care of. I have my running backs taken care of. I can focus on wide receivers, and I got a couple of sleeper tight ends that I'll, I'll probably hammer later in the draft. Did you have any hesitation in taking Adam Thielen since you already had Justin Jefferson on your team, or was it just like he belongs at this range? Oh, no, no, absolutely. I definitely had hesitation. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, who is it? Mike? Mike took uh, Brandon Ayuk right, right before him. So he Ayuk was at the top of that list. Uh, and Adam Thielen, I felt like there was a clear tier cutoff there. I wasn't going to reach for Claypool or Beckham. I like those guys, but I would have, you know, rather have taken those guys around or, or so later. So, you know, Thielen, obviously, he's got the, you know, he gets the red zone looks. It's a narrow target tree. Uh, so between him and Jefferson, I'm just hoping that all the passing volume goes to them. Uh, I may have to do sort of kind of a, a weird, uh, I don't know what you call it, a naked stack where I just get all the Minnesota pl- <laughs> passing options. And I think you got them all already. Well, yeah, you know, Irv Smith's still on the board. Hopefully nobody's listening. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, yeah, we'll, so we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens from here, from here on out. And I see most recently you got one of your boys from Houston. So you might just be able to kick back the rest of the way from here, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, I got Brandon Cooks. Anytime I can leave a draft for Brandon Cooks, I'm in a happy mood. You know, the <laughs> last, last, few, last few FFPC drafts I've done, I've just been getting sniped left and right. And, and then someone will post a board. He's going like in the ninth round. And I'm just like, ah. So, <laughs> yeah. So he's, he's definitely one of those guys that I feel comfortable getting late again, especially in a best ball format uh, on a team that where you expect a lot of negative game scripts. So it's great. I think uh, my next pick here, I gotta, I may have to shore up another position. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We will see. Well, you're yep. welcome for providing you another Brandon Cooks share. I'm glad that we could give you that service. <laughs> Thank you guys so much. All right. I know you guys got to get back to it. I'm going to hop back in this draft and try and hopefully uh, you know, catch me some more wide receivers here. Yeah, we'll let you get back to hunting for Vikings pass catchers. Thanks for joining us, though, Dr. <laughs> Abib. It was nice to have you drop Absolutely. in. Thanks, Abib. Uh, you guys have a good rest of the night. You Take too. care. Good luck. All right. So let me get this board posted back up. Um, and we'll get back to Jared's team that we were talking about before because we were talking about him taking that quarterback after Allen Robinson. Um, so just to recap Jared's team while I'm trying to share it again, he's got uh, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Saquon Barkley, Allen Robinson, Baker Mayfield in round five as the QB 18, Odell Beckham in round six, Jerry Judy in round seven. Adam, I would bet – so. I know that when Jared got to that point in round five, he's like, I want to make sure that I get a quarterback who's going to be starting all year because I don't know what's making it back to me around this turn. I think had he seen that only one more quarterback would be taken between his pick and his sixth round pick, I think that maybe he could have waited there in hindsight. But I I think from that spot, I would have been surprised if somebody had told me that there would only be one more quarterback taken before my next turn. Yeah, and it had it, it, you know, and it was going to be Matt Ryan too, which isn't, you know, that you're not usually disappointed to see Matt, Matt Ryan go, but uh, yeah, t- totally. I think he would have waited, and I think he would have taken um, one of those receivers or probably Cooper Cup, but and who knows? Maybe I know he's super high on Robert Woods. Uh, maybe maybe he got sniped on Woods there too, which 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 stinks, but yeah, Beckham, Judy. I mean, I love I love Judy. Judy's been going lower than he should. I think in. Let's say in my draft he went. Did I did I get Judy? I didn't even know. Uh, I didn't. But uh, but yeah, Judy usually goes lower than 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 he should. Uh, even at wide receiver thirty two, it's a nice it's a nice little little value. But uh, I think he's probably pretty happy with what's with what's happened so far. Especially because he just got a second full season starter at quarterback in Derek Carr in round eight. So I mean, he waited until round five for his first quarterback. Waited until round eight for his second. 
still landed a couple of guys who certainly are capable of finishing top 16 ultimately and giving him the primary numbers at quarterback that he's looking for. So I would imagine that, that Jared is happy, happy with the way things sorted out for that position. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for sure. Carr is always undervalued, right? Like he, he, you know, he never finishes QB 26. He's, he'll, he'll finish higher if he, if he plays and, and yeah, like Judy in my draft went wide receiver 30. So we got a little value there too. And, yeah, so he's got two quarterbacks, three receivers, three three running backs. Um, we'll see what direction he wants to take it now. Maybe he's going to try to take some tight ends. Maybe he was hoping to get Higby or Fant, and they both just went. So we'll see We'll see what he wants to do. Yeah, and we'll get to some of the quarterbacks who went ahead of Derek Carr to push him to QB 26. Um, but well, let's go to Brian Holzen's team next to him, which went kind of the opposite direction at quarterback. Took Patrick Mahomes in round one, of course. I don't think anybody would argue with Patrick Mahomes being the third player off the board in a super flex draft, took George Kittle at 210, Matthew Stafford in round three. So Brian went ahead and, and nailed down his top two quarterbacks within those first three picks. And I'm sure that that's given him comfort at that position. He can just go ahead and collect at the other positions beyond that. That's what he's done since Matthew Stafford. In round four, he took Terry McLaurin as wide receiver 12. Then Robert Woods with that pick that he said sniped Jared possibly in round five. Cortland Sutton, wide receiver 28 in round six. So Sutton off the board before Jerry Judy in this draft, which is different than how ADP overall has settled out in recent weeks. Daryl Henderson, RB19 in round seven. Tyler Higby at tight end eight in round eight. And then round nine, Miles Gaskin, the RB25, the second running back for Brian Holzen's team so far. Um, Adam, any, anything stand out to you about this team? No, I think collect was there was was a great word. Like, hey, get get these two stud quarterbacks, and then let just let's just grab all the other positions as it is they fall right. So three straight receivers after that. Love McLaurin, love Woods. Not so sure about Sutton. I'd like to see him out there, maybe in a preseason game or something. See if he's uh, back to 100 percent. But if he is, I like I like Sutton too. Um, and yeah, Higby. You know, I'm a huge fan of Higby. And we got Henderson and Gaskin. So I'm I'm, I'm assuming he's going to take a couple more running backs here coming up. Because that's probably his, his his weakness, but um, he'll you know he can he can pretty much ignore tight end for a while. I'm, I'm a little surprised he took Higby, knowing that he had Kittle, kind of that that early, um, you know, kind of needing the, the, the running back position. But um, you know, there it's not like some stud running backs went after he took Higby. So um, so yeah, I think he was probably probably pretty happy with that. Yeah, and I wonder if Jared was hoping that Tyler Higby was going to get around that 8-9 turn and get back to him at the spot where he ended up taking a tight end. But we'll get to who Jared took there. Um, Mitch Carl picking next to Brian Holzen. Adam, why don't you run through your buddy Mitch's team here since the Josh Allen pick? Yeah, so Josh Allen at one, love it. Um, came back, took DeAndre Hopkins and Calvin Ridley at the, at the turn. You know, those are two, two great picks. Uh, Kirk Cousins. In the fourth, Chris Carson running back in the fifth, and then he went back-to-back receivers. Juju Smith-Schuster, Tyler Boyd at the six-seven there, and then took his third quarterback. I don't know, was he the first? Maybe the first one to take, or no? There's no team that took three before him, but uh, third quarterback in the eighth round with Goff, um, and then Jacobs there in in, in the ninth. So um, yeah, I don't I don't mind taking three him taking three quarterbacks like that. Goff again is a is a locked-in starter, so that that's always nice. He's probably you know, when you take a quarterback that high with Josh Allen, he's probably only going to have that super flex position left to fill on a weekly basis um, from his other two quarterbacks. So, but yeah, he's loaded it at, at receiver, got two studs. And then you know, I'm not huge fan of Juju Smith-Schuster, um, but again, in a, in a best ball 
you, you'll have to pick pick one to start him. That's awesome. Um, and then Carson and Jacobs, and, and I'm, I'm assuming he's going to start pounding running back here after Jacobs because Evan Jacobs is your second running back isn't um, isn't like the sexiest thing. <laughs> it's not, but I mean, if you're taking quarterbacks early, you're taking wide receivers early, and he took Kirk Cousins in round four as a second quarterback, you know, that's the thing about the format is you have to give somewhere and you yeah. have to see. And I think Josh Jacobs as a second running back in a format where you know that you're going to have at least five on your roster by the end. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that because there's a touchdown upside at the very least for Josh Jacobs. Maybe Kenyon Drake gets hurt again and we get some reception upside. That would be something. That's, I think, the thing that we have yet to see is that number two running back it, for the Raiders – go down and see if we get receptions going to Josh Jacobs instead of being siphoned from him as they seem like they want to do every year. Yeah. And that's always interesting too. Just that whole concept of, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt, man, if Nick Chubb goes down, Kareem Hunt's going to be a stud. Well, what if Kareem Hunt goes down? Like Nick Chubb's like top two running back. You know what I mean? Like all these different, we always are like, wait, wait what if the starter goes down? What if the backup go, goes down? There are situations where that, or that helps uh, the starter just as much. So, so yeah, that'll be that'll be super interesting. Yeah, if, if Jacobs can can get that whole role to himself, I still think they would always find some other running back to go in there and take the, the pass catching role away from Josh Jacobs. But, uh, but we'll see. You might have to check with your buddy Mitch about taking both Juju Smith Schuster and Tyler Boyd ahead of Jerry Judy. That to me signals that maybe he's not too high on Jerry Judy because. I think that even if you're wary of whether he can become a consistent performer, to me there is at least a higher ceiling to Jerry Judy, especially on a week-to-week -week basis, than there is for Juju or Tyler Boyd, unless you're just expecting both of those guys to flirt with 100 catches. Yeah, and you know, I, I like I said, I love Judy. I, I would have gone Judy over those guys. I probably would have gone Robbie Anderson over those guys um but uh but yeah you know he's got his two kind of stud receivers up there with hopkins and ridley maybe he just wanted some high floor guys like out, out of boyd i mean i'm, I'm kind of way off juju this year just because i think he's the third most talented receiver on that team and ben is you know his arm is is hanging from a thread so but i love tyler boyd i i take him every year he's always under undervalued if the line in Cincy is as bad as they're saying it is, Boyd's going to get a ton of work, short, quick work from, from Burrow. So um, I love the Boyd with the Boyd pick. Yeah, I think it's a fine range for both of those guys. I don't think they're outlandish picks by any means, even if I might take somebody in particular ahead of them. I, I agree. In those two situations, Tyler Boyd is easily, for me, the most comfy Bengals receiver with where he's going. Um, so I will take him more, much more often than I'm taking T. Higgins or um, – uh, Jamar Chase, who I'm yeah, apparently yeah. so far off of that I just drew a blank <laughs> on his name for a minute. Um, so, yeah. Uh, and in, in Pittsburgh, on the other hand, I like Chase Claypool. I like Deontay Johnson. I'm taking both of those guys ahead of Juju. So, I'm, you know, similar value range, but I agree. Uh, Juju is a guy that I'm off of. Tyler Boyd is a guy that I'm comfy with. Darren Armani back in the top spot started with Christian McCaffrey, of course, and then he went quarterback, quarterback around the 2-3 turn. Tom Brady there is QB 10 at the end of round two. Ryan Tannehill as QB 11 to kick off round three. I think certainly the range that both of those guys belong in, whether you prefer Matthew Stafford specifically ahead of them, you know, that's certainly an argument you can have. Mike Evans, wide receiver 13, and then Chris Godwin, wide receiver 14 at the 4-5 turn to Darren's team, of course, stacking with Tom Brady. What do you think of that combo? And actually, before I 
I let you in on it, Adam, also took Antonio Brown with his next pick in round six. So, I mean, is Darren unlocking this tournament or is he getting a little too bucks happy with his team? Yeah, I was just going to say that Antonio Brown. Um, listen, is there any coincidence that the guy who's got all the numbers behind the scenes, he's got all the ADPs, is there any coincidence that he took Hall of Famer Mike Evans? Not at all. I mean, right? That that just makes sense. Tom Brady, yeah, I love the Brady Evans Godwin stack. Absolutely love. I have that uh, a couple times this year. Taking that, Antonio Brown might be overkill, only because of like the bye week. But again, this is twenty five rounds, you know, and there's no kickers or defenses. So if he can find some guys to fill in on the, on the bye week, I think we'll be okay. It's just one week. But yeah, I mean, listen, there are there are really smart people out there that think that. You know, Tom Brady's going to throw for 50 touchdowns. I mean, and, and to have his whole offense, that, that's pretty sweet. So um, I like the fact that he that he took a running back, McCaffrey, and he realizes that probably McCaffrey's worth two running backs if he's healthy. So take that running back, fade it for, for a while, load up in other other spots, and then um, and then go, go from there. So here's my issue. If Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown all deliver at their wide receiver 13, wide receiver 14, wide receiver 30 picks, then Tom Brady is going to have a monster season. He is going to throw 50 touchdowns or you know 6,000 yards or whatever. He's going to go crazy because he has to to support that kind of wide receiver scoring. I would have left out Brown or you know one of the previous two from this, and I can certainly understand going for Mike Evans. I can even understand taking Chris Godwin around that turn. I think I would have stopped there because it's going to be difficult for all three of those guys to deliver at where you're taking them, especially because Antonio Brown comes earlier here than his ADP. I think there's also something to be said for, you know, if one of those guys gets hurt, the other two could absolutely smash and, and exceed those wide receiver numbers. Um, and best ball is a, a crazy thing i mean there are it's, it's all about timing it's all about you know, there's 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 a lot of luck involved when guys uh score their touchdowns like if, if you have all your players score all their touchdowns in three weeks you know that doesn't really help you because you, know, you got guys in your bench that have smashed and you don't you don't get the points you know so i think with with receivers which is why you're really usually like waiting on receiver in best ball because if you can just get those weeks from your late round picks where the, those those touchdowns come in separately you know these guys are going to score. Like if Deshaun Jackson, for example, if he if he scores three touchdowns this year, he's going to get into your starting lineup probably three, three times. They're going to be long touchdowns. It's just does it coincide with the weeks where your other receivers ahead of him don't score? So I don't know. It's hard for me to kind of do play the whole ADP game with with that. Again, I wouldn't have gone Evans, Godwin, Brown, but um, I think it's kind of neat. And I think it's probably something that no other team is going to be able to get. I mean, there's only two two drafts left, but I think we'll be uh, pretty unique in that build. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be certainly interesting to watch here. I mean, one thing that he could have done, I'm trying to find, yeah, so Julio Jones, I guess maybe at the Chris Godwin spot. Wide receiver 14 is probably a little early for Julio Jones, but that would be a stack with Tannehill. Um, yeah. You know, it's just in general, rather than looking for specific players, it's it's the opportunity cost. I mean, to take Chris Godwin to go with Mike Evans, you had a pass on Robert Woods, um, Cooper Cup. Uh, to get Antonio Brown, you're still passing on guys like Jerry Judy, Robbie Anderson. So I don't know for, for me, I would I would have held off on Antonio Brown. Actually, personally, I probably wouldn't have taken both of the top two guys. 
but certainly wouldn't have taken a third. So, you know, maybe Darren will be somebody that we talk to about that specific stack, and maybe he does have some data that points to just owning the passing game, or maybe he's just all in on the Bucks, doing everything this year that they did last year. Yeah. David Montgomery followed his Antonio Brown pick. Noah Fant in round eight. LaVisca Chenault in round nine, so started building out that non-Bucks area of the wide receiver core um, with Chenault as wide receiver 38 off the board. Let's look back from, let's see, where do we leave off with, we left off with Jared Goff, Josh Jacobs, so Mitch hasn't made any more picks since the last time we looked at his team. Let's check in on Austin's team, which was the last one to take a quarterback. He, of course, started with Travis Kelsey at the eight pick in round one. Then Zeke Elliott, Antonio Gibson, Nick Chubb after that. Cooper Cup, T. Higgins in rounds five and six. His first quarterback was in round seven. It was Ryan Fitzpatrick. No stack with Ryan Fitzpatrick, so, you know, that's not a bad thing. But, uh, Adam, what do you think about Ryan Fitzpatrick, QB 21, as the first quarterback for this team? Fine. You know I mean? He's, he's, he's going to grab a couple more. And I love – and the reason why I know the reason why I think it's fine because I absolutely love his first – you know, three, six picks. I mean, you know, we already spoke about the picks earlier, but he was able to come back and get Cooper Cup, who um, I, I know we love over at the Draft Sharks. T, T. Higgins, who I personally think is is, is really good, especially you know, I, I prefer these Bengals. I prefer these Cowboys. I prefer these, you know, the, these, these, these Bucks in best ball because, you know, then you don't have to pick which week. Like like you said, Antonio Brown, Gavin Evans, they all have to smash. Well, then you got to also, if you have to set the lineups, you got to pick pick which each they're going to smash. Not that you're going to bench Evans or Godwin, but you know uh, Higgins is a guy that I don't love having to start because you don't know it's going to be Chase, it's going to be Boyd, it's going to be Higgins. He doesn't he doesn't he doesn't have to pick. Same mm-hmm. with same with Cooper Cup. Um, he does get Samuel to stack with uh, with with Fitzpatrick, which is pretty nice. No, it's um, Debo Samuel. Oh, I'm sorry. Yep, yep, yep. I like Debo Samuel too. I like that Niners strength of schedule. So uh, yeah, I like the way again, like like you said, in these type of drafts, something's got something's got to give. And for him, he decided that what was going to give was going to be quarterback. Fitz, Wentz. There's talk of Wentz being missing the short end of that five to twelve weeks, which would have him back pretty soon. So uh, you know, if he gets Wentz back by week two or something like that, like that, I love I love this this team. Yeah, Carson Wentz QB twenty eight. As you mentioned, he's the second quarterback for Austin Martin's team. And the the latest on Carson Wentz is that they expect him to not be out the longer range of that initial um, injury timeline. And the fact that they haven't brought in another meaningful quarterback to that situation tells me to believe that because they currently have Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger or Ellinger. I'm not even sure how to pronounce his name properly. That's how uh, prominent he is. But that the story for them right now on the practice field at quarterback is that Sam Ellinger, as a sixth-round rookie, is earning playing time, which I guess we'll see whether that's a better story for his development or a worse story for Jacob Eason's development, who's in his second season after, I believe, arriving as a fourth-round pick last year. Yeah, who knows? I mean, hopefully we don't have to deal with that. Hopefully it's just okay. it's just Wentz, and we never have to see the, either of those guys. Um, but I guess you know when you're in a 25-round super flex, <laughs> you have to kind of be in tune with stuff like that. It's worth noting that Austin, after waiting on those quarterbacks, passed on the opportunity to take Curtis Samuel as a potential stack with Ryan Fitzpatrick in round 10, took Darnell Mooney in that spot. I, I'm certainly not opposed to that given 
the groin injury for Curtis Samuel right now, which has remained an issue since June. It was supposed to not be a huge issue when it initially happened, but he still has yet to practice with the team. So that's not good news. Um, so I, 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 it's possible it would be a little bit of a reach to take Curtis Samuel over Donnell Mooney right now. At the same time, it's a fair range at wide receiver 45. I think if we had a Curtis Samuel healthy in camp right now, I think he would probably be working his way into at least the lower 30s in ADP and possibly into the top 36. Yeah, for, for, for sure. It's funny. They all kind of go in this range of of receivers, right? The Darnell Mooney, Elijah Moore, who's flying up draft boards. You know, Miko Hart, Hardman, man, Holzen, it's got to be doing backflips. I mean, he was able to stack him with Patrick Mahomes there after a run of uh, five receivers went right there. You know, so that he's got to be excited to be able to pull, pull that off uh, with the wide receiver 50. So, because there's been nothing but good reports out of Miko Hardman in, in camp, and uh, so yeah, it's 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 interesting that he that Martin Austin chose uh, Darnell Mooney there, but um, hey, maybe he's a big he's a, must be a big believer in Justin Fields. Yeah, I watched uh, Miko Hardman go in. I think round five of a league that's not even uh, that's there's no there's no crazy rules that made Miko Hardman make more sense there than in other leagues. He's the kind of guy who could go anywhere from like. 35 to 50 at this point and 50 which is where brian holzen got him seems like the lower end of where you could reasonably expect to see Nicole hardman go at this point and i've always been high on Nicole hardman just the situation that he was in now he's in a better situation and hey can Nicole hardman get better i mean of course of course he can get better he's going into his third year he's playing with patrick mahomes he's got tyree kill there to help coach him up and i mean he's the same type of speaker uh, same type of receiver, a speed, speed receiver. Um, you know, Tyreek Hill wasn't a superstar his very first time stepping on a football field. So um, I think Nico Hardman has a chance to blow that ADP out of the water. Um, and and uh, I love taking Nico Hardman at wide receiver 50. Now, before we get too excited about the Nico Hardman uh, cannon shots, it is worth noting that over the past five years, no second Chiefs wideout has finished higher than wide receiver 50 in PPR. I mean, you know, part of that is that the second wide receiver for the past, what, two or three years was Sammy Watkins, who wasn't playing every game every year. And otherwise, it was kind of mixing and matching and nobody was getting those consistent targets. So that's the piece that we need is consistent targets for Nicole Hardman. He certainly has upside if he can nail down a consistent number two role. And at the very least, you're getting a high weekly ceiling with him. And as you mentioned, the stack with Patrick Mahomes um, makes it more attractive here. Yeah, and, you know, Sammy Watkins thinks, like, the world is flat and that aliens are walking among us, so he wasn't really the most – and they might be, but um, he wasn't really the most reliable, you know, receiver either. And, and I will say, and I know people always laugh and stuff said like this, Nicole Hartman is a much better best ball receiver, I think, because in a, in a lineup setting league, right, I'm taking him as my wide receiver four, maybe, maybe the wide receiver five. Like, when am I going to feel comfortable starting him as one of my top two receivers – you know, uh, and is he going to, because he is going to put up three-point weeks, four-point weeks, you know. Um, it's just when when do you feel comfortable? Obviously, best ball is much, much more comfortable. And I got to say, Adam, I, I've been enough different places to definitely believe that aliens are walking among us, whether it's a, an amusement park or a Starbucks or uh, any other place that you could imagine at this point. Well, you were just in New York City, right? So there's plenty of, <laughs> plenty of that wandering around. 
It's tough to tell who's masquerading as aliens there, though, versus the real thing. I guess we'll find out true. at some point. Yeah. Um, by the way, we were just talking about Austin Martin's team, and he took his third quarterback, Cam Newton. You got to like the upside. I mean, maybe Cam Newton is not starting early in the season. We talked about the earlier drafted rookie quarterbacks. Um, Mac Jones did not match those guys in draft position, but what did he go 15th, four spots behind Justin Fields? So certainly another candidate to get into that lineup. And I have been reading some reports recently where um, observers are saying Mac Jones clearly gives Josh McDaniels what he wants the offense to look like from a passing standpoint. But until Mac Jones gets on the field, Cam Newton's got top 10 weekly upside. Absolutely. I mean, I'm surprised. I'm shocked Shope didn't take him as his, as his fourth fourth quarterback there because Cam Newton's such a great running back. You know what I mean? Uh, but, uh, but yeah, and I'm wondering, I'm trying to see, was, was Cam? Uh, no, no, not Cam. Yeah, Mac wasn't taken yet, right? I, I wonder if he was interested in, in doing a Cam Newton-Mac Jones stack and having that position locked up. Um, or if he didn't, you know, he didn't want to take four quarterbacks out of his first 12 picks. But, hey, maybe, maybe he could still come back and do that anyways, you know. So, um, but, yeah, I know Shope loves Michael Carter just like I do, and he wasn't, he wasn't passing on him there. And I think that the Cam Newton – I think pairing Cam Newton with Carson Wentz is a good move here because, you know, the question on Carson Wentz is if he's ready at the beginning of the season. The question on Cam Newton is if he completes the season. So between right. those two guys, you should get a full season of starting quarterback. Right, yeah, for sure. And man, Abib's doing the. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves there. Abib just did the Patriots tight end stack, which I did oh, in mine. I did that in mine, but Hunter Henry wasn't out for like seven weeks before I did my. Before I did that in mine, but hey, I was I was actually going to ask you tonight on the show if, if we talked about it, and and here's the perfect segue is, mm-hmm. um, does John go a little bit higher without having Hunter Henry there? And I I don't think he did. I think he went around around the same time. Yeah, tight end 14 seems about where he tends to go. I think he can slip past there. I mean, I, I would, I think it's fair to weigh Jonu Smith against Evan Engram and Mike Jasicki at this point. I can't say that I have a huge favorite among them. I guess I would feel a little bit better about Jonu Smith now with the Hunter Henry injury without moving him significantly up my board. Evan Engram is my favorite among those three, but I think Jonu Smith belongs right there in that mix. And I think that that mix also includes Irv Smith and Robert Tunyon. Irv Smith's a guy that I'm barely drafting this year because I just don't – I don't see the ceiling just volume-wise that everybody else does for him. So I could – I wouldn't be mad at anybody who took Johnny Smith ahead of Irv Smith. Yeah, so I took him at 13 and 16, and he got him at 14 and 18. But I think I took Hunter Henry at – no, I took Hunter Henry at 16. Okay, yeah. So he only dropped two spots here. I'm wondering if Abib just didn't carry, just wanted to get that stack, which I still think is pretty a pretty sweet little stack in these tight end premiums. Uh, best balls, too, when you don't have to pick which one. And I would have thought maybe Johnny would go a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, like you said, maybe I had Irv Smith or Tanyan up in there knowing that he's going to have the first, I don't know, maybe month to, to, to himself. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I – Hunter Henry, it's a little bit early for me with the shoulder injury, knowing that he's going to be out two to three weeks now. Uh, I would probably be off of him at this point, but you know, uh, not I'm not not going to go nuts over somebody pairing him with Johnny Smith at that range of the draft. Um, by the way, your uncle here also says that aliens are walking among us, so <laughs> don't bash either Sammy Watkins or him, um, as Lenny Papano is watching us via YouTube. I said I said they they might be they, they, they probably are you know what I mean but if they are then uh, Josh Allen could certainly pick them out with one of those passes of those. 
Josh Allen's a unicorn. Okay, he's not a, <laughs> he's not an alien. All right. Don't, don't Let's worry. look at Mike Beers's roster, <laughs> and there's good news for you here, Adam. We don't have to stay up until midnight to wait for Mike to take a, a running back. But let's recap before we get to where he did take his first running back. Devontae Adams in round one, Aaron Rodgers in round two with the stack that we talked about, A.J. Brown at wide receiver eight, C.D. Lamb at wide receiver 10, so he clearly believes in C.D. Lamb. Still a little bit high for my taste, but I can understand it. Mark Andrews is the tight end six. That was in round five. Then we had Matt Ryan as his second quarterback, QB 19 off the board, Ben Roethlisberger in round seven. That's around the six, seven turn. Then the first running back for Mike Beers in round eight. So, I mean... Kind of late for some teams, kind of early for a Mike Beers team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I like the Adams Rogers stack. Nobody, nobody's done that yet. I think we talked about that before. Uh, Brown and Lamb. I mean, the the receivers are just so awesome, and I love to see like, okay, I'm I'm going to wait on receiver, right? In generally speaking, in these in these best balls, but if you're going to take them early, stick to your guns and just and let those studs be your studs, right? So he does three of the first four and then it waits till round 12 to take, to take his, his next one. That's the way you, you got to do it. Even if you stick to that type of strategy, where if you're going to load up on one position, get away from it so that you can add those other positions. Right. So he's just, he's loaded at, at receiver. Uh, he's, he looks, you know, he looks, I think he looks really good at quarterback too. took three by round seven. You know, if he can get um, a vintage Matt Ryan year or a vintage Ben Roethlisberger year, just, just one year out of either one of them, um, I think we'll be okay. Andrews, you know, really good to tight end. All the receivers there are, are hurt. So Andrews, you know, again, might might hog all, all the targets there. Tanyan stack with stack with Rogers. So yeah, I like um I like the way he kind of built this out. And we'll see if he can get a couple more running backs here uh to kind of fill that that position out. Yeah, I mean really as the QB nineteen and twenty-two and round six and seven of super flex, all you need is vintage weeks from Matt Ryan and Ben Roethlisberger exactly. for this yeah. team. Um, I, Robert Tunyon, I, I wouldn't like it tight end 11 in general, but I will take him in that range stacking with Aaron Rodgers because if they do similar touchdown things, then you're getting the points on both ends of it. James Robinson yeah. at RB33 is a bit interesting here. That's the third running back for Mike Beers' team. Then, So after waiting until round eight, he took Kareem Hunt as the 22nd running back. Chase Edmonds is RB26. And then James Robinson is RB33. Um, that was right after Damian Harris. We had the next few running backs were like Melvin Gordon, Zach Moss, James Conner. So I, I guess I agree with the upside in James Robinson in that range. If he does maintain the rushing role that reports out of Jacksonville seem to expect for him. For sure. I mean, and, and plus he's got to be thrilled here too that, you know, you start basically zero RB and you get J- James Robinson uh, as RB33. So he's not, you know, again, you don't, you're not looking for James Robinson to smash. You just want him to be, you know, a flex option type running back um, and just to fill in for Edmonds and Hunt. Um, and again, he's got some high upside here. If if James Conner gets hurt, if, um, you know, who else am I looking at here? If Nick Chubb get, gets hurt, he's, uh, he's, he's in a position to really smash – ADP with those, with those picks and uh, and be in the hunt for the big money at the end. We are going to bring in our boy Jared Smolin now to talk about his draft. We've been speculating on it, so now we're going to give him a chance to talk about it. I'm going to stop sharing the draft screen, though, so that maybe we can get the computer cooperating with us. Jared, how's it going so far tonight? I'm exhausted, boys. It's a, it's a tough <laughs> draft. 
Dude, you've got a baby. You're exhausted all the time. Don't blame it on the draft. It's true. And, and I'm drafting and commissioning tonight. So, you know, it's, it's tough. We know. We know. We know you are. <laughs> so, we were talking about how we thought you might feel about some of these players. Now we get to find out what's true. Derrick Henry in round two, are you excited to get him? Or are you like, I kind of wish somebody had taken him before me so I wouldn't have to bet on him? No, I mean, at RB7, that's a couple spots lower than, you know, I, we have him ranked. So, you know, it's funny. I, th I think this is the first time all year, and you know, I've probably done 25 drafts now. I think it's the first time all year that I've drafted Derrick Henry or Saquon Barkley. Wow. But, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not upset about it. I like, I like the value I got. I did, you know, I did not expect to start three running backs. I kind of pride myself on being like a flexible drafter. You know, I'm not a zero RB guy. I'm not a running back heavy early guy. Um, I'm just kind of flexible. And this format lets you be flexible. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I just, I snapped up the guys I thought were best available with those first three picks and kind of went from there. We talk about how you can have any strategy going into this, but I think that you also need to be flexible in that if you go in thinking this is how I'm going to attack it without knowing how anybody else is going to attack it and having no way to really expect things to go a certain way. I mean, you got to be ready for what happens when the draft gets going. Yeah. You know, it, so uh, Cook was kind of a no brainer for me you know, with, with Mahomes off the board and my first pick. In round two, I did consider Brady or Stafford. I kind of have those guys in a tier together, and they were kind of the end of that tier. Um, but I went Henry, and then, of course, you know, Brady and Stafford got snapped up at 2-12 and 3-3. So then, you know, I, I rather than reaching for a quarterback, I, I kind of pivoted and just, you know, took Saquon as my third straight running back. If you would have known you were going to get Saquon in the third, would you have passed on Henry? Yes. I yeah. would I would have taken Brady if I had known Saquon would be there. I'm a yeah, little surprised to see you take Barkley with Joe Mixon still on the board at that spot. That's an upside play. Like I, I'm trying to win this whole thing. I'm I'm trying to beat out you know what is it 72 teams or whatever. Um, I, I do I do think you know Saquon if he gets healthy he still has a higher ceiling than than my boy Joe Mixon. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now when we got down to the Baker Mayfield pick, I think it's pretty clear at that point that you're like, well, I want to make sure that I get one of these full season starters before they're all gone. After seeing how the draft went from that pick to your next turn, I don't know. It's tough to say I would have done it differently because there's no way you could have known that. But in yeah. hindsight, would that have made you draft differently in that spot? Oh, of course. You know, if I knew only one quarterback was going to come off the board for my next pick, I, I wouldn't have taken Baker. But I I'm not going to kick myself for that. I mean, there were – you know, there were there was a team with no quarterbacks, you know, between my next two picks. There were multiple teams with only one quarterback. So I I expected you know three, four, or five quarterbacks to go prior to my um, sixth round pick there. So I mean, yeah, if I you know knew the board, I wouldn't have taken Baker. But I'm I, I'm not gonna beat myself up over that one. Right, and that's what I was kind of trying to get at is that you know in hindsight, sure you can wait and take probably take Baker Mayfield at that spot, but it's not the kind of thing that you should regret because there's no reason to expect only one quarterback to go between those two turns. Any other spots in your draft stand out to you? Any guys that you were happy that got to you that you wouldn't have expected or, you know, otherwise? Yeah, I thought Dallas Goddard, you know, tight end 10 in the ninth round. I was very pumped to see him make it to me there. Um, I was happy to, to land Deshaun Watson. I mean, he's, he's going to end up being the key to this team. Like if Deshaun Watson does not play this season, I'm probably in trouble because I, I just have no upside at quarterback. I'm going to be, you know, playing catch up at that position. If I can get even, you know, eight games out of Deshaun Watson, I think, you know, th this team has a pretty solid chance. And then uh, Corey Davis, too. You know, I don't, he doesn't excite anyone, but 
but I was actually going back and forth between uh, Corey Davis and Jalen Waddle in round 11 there. You kind of went with the upside play in Waddle, but then, you know, to still be able to get Davis in the 13th round, wide receiver 59. Like, I, 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 I love Elijah Moore. I, I wanted him tonight. Um, but I still think it's, you know, 50-50 whether Elijah Moore or Corey Davis leads the Jets and targets this season. Would you have um, – so when you took – when you took Carr, were you hoping that Higby or Fant fell, or were you were you? I know you were happy with Goddard. Would you have rather had Higby yeah. or Fant? Yeah. So you know, I could have gambled and not taken a quarterback there because the guy, the three guys behind me, all had two. But I, I was terrified that like two of them were going to take their third quarterback. Um, so I just snapped up Carr there, and then you know Higby, Fant, and Goddard—they're in the same tier for me. So you know, I, I prefer Fant, I guess, but they're all so close that I was I was happy to still be able to get Goddard there. And I would certainly say that there's some space between Derek Carr and Jared Goff. Not not so much Carson Wentz if he were healthy, but obviously the health question makes that a bigger risk. For sure. All right, Jared, I think we'll probably let you get back to commissioning and drafting because we're going to be <laughs> heading to bed here pretty soon while you finish out this uh, basically the second half of this draft. All right, sounds good. Good work today, boys. Hey, thank you. You too. Keep building. Yeah. See ya. Adam, let's post this draft board one more time for people. And uh, – Jay Reed, by the way, another one of our drafters. Half, I believe, half of the Chase the Helmet tandem, right? He is half the Chase the Helmet tandem. Yeah, he, he's watching the draft. Says he likes how Darren Armani has built his team. Similar build with the Cowboys stack. So for the Chase the Helmet squad, it was Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, um, C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz. For uh, Darren, of course, we talked about it, it was all the Bucks. So there you go. I might not be comfy with it, but Jay Reed likes what he's doing. He loves it. Yeah, it's 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 nice to get those stacks and these, these best balls and and uh, especially with these these high score. I mean, they're expensive, uh, but they can be very very high high scoring. So, any other picks stand out to you since uh, we left the board? We have to catch up a little bit, but I mean, you know, we're getting into the range where we're in the 60s at wide receiver, we're in the 40s at running back. Do any of the running back values at, at this point surprise you? Does it surprise you, for example, that say Tony Pollard? Uh, so often goes ahead of somebody like Jamal Williams. I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer between them. Tony Pollard's not going to be worthwhile unless Zeke Elliott goes down. Jamal Williams, the Lions say that they want him to be worthwhile all season. Yeah, I think, I think it, I, again, it's, it's based on build. It's based on upside, right? Like Jamal Williams will probably score – not probably – if, if Zeke Elliott doesn't get hurt, Williams will definitely score more fantasy points than Tony Pollard. But Tony Pollard has top, I don't know, seven, top ten, uh, top ten upside. I mean, if, 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 if Zeke goes down, you know, Pollard smashed last year. He scored over 30 fantasy points in the game that Zeke, Zeke didn't play. So that's an upside play there. That's a, that's a zero RB play. As you see, Brian didn't take a running back to round seven, um, and now he's just kind of loading up on the position. I like I like Pollard. Um uh, for for that scenario, but yeah, J- you know Jamal Williams is going to score more fantasy points uh, if Zeke d- d- doesn't get hurt. Um, a couple other things I know. Looking at Shoke's team, I know we got a lot of the guys that I knew. You know, we talked about Ayuk the other night on the show. I know he's um, he likes that San Francisco passing game. You know, he's always you know he's been talking up Zach Wilson, and and I know he likes Elijah Moore. So we got that Zach Wilson Elijah Moore stack. He got the Gallup Amari Cooper Dak Prescott stack there so um yeah i think he uh i think he's probably pretty happy with it with his draft and one spot where mike differed from a lot of other teams is waiting and waiting on tight end 
And I would imagine he's got to be happy with what he got tight end wise after waiting until round 12, taking the 17th tight end off the board as his first. It's Gerald Everett. And then he followed with Austin Hooper at tight end 22. Uh, Austin Hooper was somebody I was basically not paying any attention to early in draft season. At this point, he stands out as a clear value at the position to me. I guess, you know, it's possible that I'm overrating the one report, or maybe it was even two reports, about the Browns saying that Austin Hooper is going to remain a key part of the offense. But, you know, just reading how much they paid him last year, uh, that alone says we want Austin Hooper to be uh, strongly involved. And if you look at his target counts, his target shares last year, he was above 15% throughout the year, even when the number came down after his appendicitis. He was still above 15%, which is a solid rate for a tight end. So I think Austin Hooper has become an underrated player and could stand out, especially in these tight end premium formats. Yeah, I think Hooper's a great pick. And just like you, Matt, I was not really paying any attention to his to him um, until recently, until maybe the last two or three weeks where you know they've been talking about some good reports. And also he came out and said, listen, last year I was not right after my appendicitis, you know, I just didn't, I didn't feel right. I didn't feel normal. Yeah. So you follow the money. He's making a lot of money. I still think he's good. You know, he's not, he's not old. Um, so I, yeah, he could, I, I think he is a guy that's gonna, that's gonna exceed his ADP for sure. Um, just how, how high is it going to be? Is it going to be some crazy top 10 type season or is he going to kind of hover around like tight end 14 or 15? Adam and I will be heading off of the stream here pretty soon. We've gotten more than halfway through this draft. You can follow the entire draft board in the Draft Sharks Discord. You can find the link to join the Discord if you're not on it already in the YouTube post for this. It should be in the face the Facebook post for this. Um, you can find it in most of our podcast posts at this point. So the whole draft board is running live there. You can follow the thing throughout. Um, let's take it through the end of round 15 here, Adam. And we're still in the 40s at running back. We're into the 70s at wide receiver and around the 14 15 turn we had gabe davis ty hilton go gabe davis at wide receiver 70 ty hilton at wide receiver 71 you know we talked about carson wentz's positive reports on his foot recovery recently i think one spot where there hasn't been any rebound and is where his wide receivers are going adp wise because there was some excitement about michael pittman earlier he was climbing up ADP boards. I'll have to look back and see where he went in this specific draft. But T.Y. Hilton, wide receiver 71, I mean, as long as Hilton's on the field and Carson Wentz makes it back, you know, kind of soon, Hilton seems like he'll pay off from that range. Yeah, I mean, if right. If Hilton plays, he's going to outscore wide receiver 71 for sure. Um, I just think – I think he's just kind of toast. But uh, – you know, I don't think there's huge upside there. Gabe Davis, I like I like that pick much better. I love I mean, Gabe Davis, I think, led the Bills in receiving touchdowns last year, and he had three called back. Like, I think he's fine there at wide receiver 70. You know, he's gonna score five, six touchdowns this year. You know, like kind of like I said, whole those those guys will start for you. Um, and it's just interesting you get guys like T.Y. Hilton, like, yeah, he's gonna outscore his wide receiver 71 ADP, but he's you know, it's he's going behind guys like like everybody, <laughs> really. Like even Rashad Bateman taking a wide receiver fifty-seven, the guy who I love, but he's in a super run-heavy offense, and he just, you know, looks like he obliterated his, his, his groin or his hamstring or something today. Like couldn't even get off the practice field. Like, um, you know, he's going. Two hours going behind guys, guys like that. So we'll see. Um, 
you know, I'm I'm more of a if, I, if I'm going to bet on if I'm going to bet on that passing game, I'm betting more on Michael on Michael Pittman than I am on Hilton. But it's fine. And Michael Pittman, similarly, I mean, even if you don't like Hilton, Michael Pittman went wide receiver 49. So that's the sure. first Colts wide receiver off the board in this one. And, you know, we're also talking about an offense that didn't have an early drafted tight end. So it's basically everybody saying, I don't want any of the Colts pass catchers. I mean, wide receiver 49 is the first pass catcher. That's more than people are staying away from the Lions offense. And I think when Carson Wentz comes back, it's a more attractive pass offense in Indy than it is in Detroit. So I think you know, whatever Colts wideout you like, and I believe Paris Campbell's not even off the board yet. So, you know, whichever one you choose or whether you're spreading it around, I just think that it's a pass offense that you can buy at a discount right now that could, within a month from right now, could look much better. Yeah, absolutely. I'm surprised uh, that Schultz up Paris Campbell last last this long. That's my that's mind-blowing, but he's, he's clearly got running backs and tight ends on the mind. Yeah, we'll see if that changes in an upcoming pick. Um, almost to the end of round 15 here. Marquez Callaway is another guy that went lately uh, to Abib's team among all the tight ends that he's now stacking up after not addressing the position until, what's it, round 11. He went Janu Smith, Hunter Henry, Anthony Ferkser, Rob Gronkowski, and tucked in there is Marquez Callaway. I think that's a high upside pick for as long as Michael Thomas is out. And then we'll see once Michael Thomas comes back, if Michael Thomas comes back, if it's for the Saints, whether Callaway can keep a role from that point. Amon Ross St. Brown just went as wide receiver 72. We talked about, you know, nobody wanting a Colts wide out. That's the first Lions receiver off the board in this draft, I believe. I don't think Tyrell Williams is gone yet. So, you know, a little bit upside. I agree with waiting on that passing game, though. I think that's not a spot where you want to plant a flag with any of the wide receivers. Yeah, no, you don't want to plant a flag there. And But, but again, in best ball, we're talking about expensive stats, right? The Cowboys, the Bucks. Teams like that, like you can get, and I know we talked about like it's the worst pass receiving core like ever, as far as like name recognition and stuff like that. But you can get these, especially with twenty five rounds, you can get the entire Lions receiving core. And if Jared Goff throws twenty three touchdowns, right, twenty two, twenty three, twenty, like you know, we know Hawkinson's getting seventy percent of those, but but someone someone else, who's going to catch all the touchdowns there? Again, you're going to get. You're going to get touchdowns from this Lions receiving core playing from behind the entire season. Um, that's a super, super cheap Lions deck. Is it going to win you this tournament? No, but it, it's it's going to give you those weeks where, man, maybe some of your stars didn't perform, man. Maybe you have injuries or bye weeks. All of a sudden you got the, you know, the Lions number one, two, three receiver, two of them score, one of them scores, pops in there for you. Um, it can be a week saving type type stack. I think somebody saying all those touchdowns in Detroit is probably a good place to end this broadcast. What do you think? <laughs> that's, that's a great time to end it. <laughs> yeah, you got to collect all those Detroit touchdowns. All 27 of them. <laughs> yeah. So, as we said, the draft here is going to keep going through round 25. You can head to the Draft Sharks Discord to follow that if you want. We will post this in podcast form for those watching on the stream right now. And we've got two more drafts coming up. We've got tomorrow night's draft, which I'm taking part in. We've got a Thursday night draft. To close things out, six leagues, 72 teams, a bunch of experienced fantasy players all vying for six first-place spots, one overall prize. DS Invitational, we're four drafts in, two left to go. That's going to do it for night four. Head over to DraftSharks.com. Uh, head over to DraftSharks Discord, actually, and watch the rest of this draft if you're interested. You can find links in the YouTube post and the Facebook description for the stream, as well as the podcast description basically any platform. 
the Discord is free to join, so you can come chat us up. Even though, even if you're not watching the draft board for this specific draft, you can ask us questions. You can pick the brains of the high stakes players who have already joined us there. Best ball veterans as well. You know, you get the DS staff, but you get everybody else who has joined us there as well. And if you jump in now, you can help us draft an FFPC main event team. We're what three picks into that one, Adam? Yeah, we're three picks in. We're basically taking uh, everyone who's in the Discord gets to vote on who our who our pick is. So. Uh... It's pretty pretty cool. We're three three rounds in. Go go check that out. That's right. A crowdsourced FFPC main event Love team. So come be a part of that. Fun stuff going on. Of course, you can also just get ready for your own drafts by becoming a DS insider, gaining access to the all new draft war room on DraftSharks.com. We will customize our award winning projections to fit your league specs. Then we will sync with your draft. We will help you dominate your opponents. So for Adam Krautwurst and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Schaff saying thanks. So much for swimming with us.